in a series in, in the Gospel of John, 16 weeks now, loving every minute of it. Come on, somebody. And um, today I want to talk to you about courage. Um, it's just kind of cool the way this all works out. Um, I want to talk to you about courage. Some of you are more courageous than others. Um, some of you are more courageous in certain areas than others are in those same areas, and vice versa. How many of you would say there's, there's some areas in my life that I'm really courageous, but there are a few areas in my life where I tend to shy away? How many of you, can I just get a little witness this morning? Okay. Um, so I want to talk to you about courage, and the title of my message today is Courageous Talk. Courageous talk. Courage, here's the definition of courage before we get started. Courage is that quality of mind that enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with, watch this, firmness or without fear or depression of spirits, valor, and boldness. It's the quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits, Valor and boldness. That's courage. <clears throat> courage is not just loud with veins popping out of your neck, running with a blade in your hand on a suicide mission to kill the enemy. That's not necessarily courage. In, for most of us, daily courage looks like putting my feet on the ground in the morning, giving my life to Jesus again, Letting him and inviting him to ordain my steps today and use me however he sees fit and then getting dressed and going on about my day knowing that at any moment God's going to use me. That's probably the courage more of us need to be walking in today than necessarily charging after an enemy because that is actually... In opposition of your enemy. So I want to show you today how most people felt when they were talking about Jesus in public in John chapter 7 at this festival. And I believe you're going to start to see how most people feel when talking about Jesus in public who are sitting here today. I believe there's going to be a direct connection with how these people felt to how I would say most of us feel. And I can prove that to you statistically if I have to. John chapter 7, starting in verse 10. But after this, his brothers left for the festival. Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. His brothers had been trying to convince him to go to this festival. They're like, bro, you need to go make a, a name for yourself. You need to go build your brand. Like, people want to see you. Like, this is a moment for you to go. And Jesus is like, nope, it's not my time. I'm not going yet. And so his brothers leave, but then Jesus leaves right afterwards, and he stays out of the public view. Verse 11 says, the Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. By the way, people are still saying that today. Those very words. 
Some people are saying Jesus is a good man. Some people are still believing he's just a fraud. Verse 13, key verse for the message. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Now, if I can, if you'll give me permission today, which I'm going to do it anyway, but I just felt nice to ask you to give me permission. I would like to replace Jewish leaders with your friends, your acquaintances, your coworkers, and the people in, in the town or the city who may know you. So let's read it this way. For they were afraid of getting in trouble with their friends, acquaintances, co-workers, other folks in the city. So Jesus comes in and he comes in secretly. He, he wanted to be at the festival. There was things he wanted to do there. I find it very interesting that the Bible tells us about this moment at the festival and it puts in verse 13 where it says, no one had the courage to speak. No one had the courage to speak about Jesus because of what? Because of fear. No one wanted to talk about Jesus because they were afraid. It's in the Bible. God made sure that verse 13 was right there. And then roundabout Wednesday, he told me to preach this message and put the title on, and I had no clue what I was going to preach. And he said, look at verse 13, no one had courage. <laughs> so Jesus said, my time has not yet come to his guys, to his brothers, because his time to be arrested and crucified had not come yet. But there were some very specific things that Jesus wanted to do before the cross. And there was a lot of talk going on about Jesus. Some good and some bad. In my opinion today, the biggest problem with the world is that the church doesn't have the courage to talk. The church is too quiet. The church has lost its courage. The church has lost its voice. Preachers have lost their courage. Preachers have lost their voices. Let me tell you something. What gets compromised in the pulpit gets accepted in the pew. If a preacher is afraid to offend people, He's got no courage. My job is not to intentionally offend you or hurt you. My job is to lead you. And sometimes in the process of leading you, I got to tell you, don't step on that. Watch out for that hole. You can get offended. That's fine. But at least you got helped. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I want to answer two questions today. I want us to first look at what is the byproduct of fearful silence. Because when the church gets silent, there's a byproduct. There's, a, there's something that comes from that. Diesel, diesel fuel is actually the byproduct of making gasoline. I don't know if you knew that. Like years ago, back in the 60s and 70s, they would give diesel away because they had so much of it, they didn't know what to do with it. So these fuel companies would go to these farmers with these wells and they would, they would give them a special adapter or something. They would rig up something on their, their pumps and their equipment and then bring them free diesel because diesel was the byproduct of making gasoline. And then also all of a sudden diesel became popular and now it's more expensive than gasoline. I don't know if you knew that, but the byproduct of gasoline is diesel. You see what you learned at our Savior's Church? <laughs> didn't even know I was going to say that. Uh, but the by, there's byproducts, so there's something that comes, something that gets produced when the church gets silent. There's a byproduct. Fearful silence produces many byproducts. I want to focus on three of them today. There's personal byproducts of fearful silence. There's public byproducts of fearful silence. And there's kingdom byproducts of fearful silence. So let's tackle personal. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26, Jesus is speaking to the crowd and he said, if any one of you wants to be my follower, now listen to this carefully because some of us want to be his follower, but we don't want to read the rest of it. We just want to hurry up and say, yeah, and not get the, <laughs> the rest of it. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost and destroyed? I got a sneaky suspicion there's going to be a lot of disappointed people when Jesus returns or when the role is called up yonder. I'm just telling you, there's going to be some people that thought they were working for Jesus, but the whole time they were working for themselves. And it's, it's going to be a great day for some of us, but for some of you, it's, going to be a, it's, it's not going to be a good day. Because all of a sudden you're going to realize that I did not give my life up. I tried to save it. I tried to hang on to it. I tried to keep my way and follow Jesus at the same time. Most Christians are frustrated because they're trying to figure out how to hang on to my life and grab a hold of Jesus and you're getting stretched. And you don't know what to do with all this tension and you're like, ah, can I just tell you, let go. Let go of your life. Then he says this in verse 26, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person. <laughs> Watch this. When he returns in his glory 
and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Oh, this one's going to get you in the gizzard. I'm telling you this morning, this one's going to get you. If you're spiritually alive, this one's going to mess you up. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to get around this one. I can't get around this one. Jesus said this. He said it plain and simple. If you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. In, in my glory, you're not going to get no recognition. In the glory of my Father, you're not going to get no recognition. In the glory of the angels, you're not going to get any recognition. In other words, you get a no mention in heaven. If you're ashamed of me, I'm ashamed of you. I looked up that word ashamed. It's super spiritual. It means I'm shame. I'm ashamed. That's what it means. I'm too ashamed to let go of my life and sell out for Jesus. I'm too ashamed to declare that Jesus is my Lord. I'm too ashamed to say no to the things I've been compromising with because it's not what Jesus wants for my life and I'm too ashamed to go with Jesus instead of not going with my friends and offending them. I'm more worried about offending my friends than I am about offending Jesus. He's saying if that's what you're doing, I'm telling you right now, if that's what you're doing, then don't expect to get any, don't expect to get any recognition from me. Now, I don't know how that lands with you, but with me, that lands pretty hard. I've been on a mission the last several years to just do what Jesus tells me to do, to not ever be ashamed of him, to stand into a moment that he calls me to say what needs to be said, do what needs to be done, act how the, the, the situation requires of me to, be, to act, and to never, ever be ashamed that the Jesus told me to say this. Jesus told me to do this. Jesus told me to act this way. I'm talking, it's down to the nitty gritty. I went to buy a bull the other day. A bull. Moo bull. Okay, <laughs> I went to buy a bull. I was shopping for a bull. A friend of mine had a nice looking bull. He was real young, beautiful little bull. And I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, that's a good looking bull. He's got some nice humps on him. He's got a nice neck. I'm not going to tell you everything else I was looking at, but I'm like, that's a good looking bull. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, Lord, because I've submitted my finances to him because I gave him my finance. I said, Lord, is this my bull? And listen to me, the price was right, Bob Barker. The price was right. It was like, buy the deal. And he's a friend of mine, and I trust him, and, but he's a man of God too. And, and we're looking, he's like, what do you think? I said, dude, I like this bull, man. I said, what's your price? He told me the price. I said, ooh. And I knew I needed to ask the Lord. I said, Lord, is this my bull? He said, no. I'm like, hold up a second. That was the devil. Because like, this a deal, Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody and their mama know this a deal. Like, okay, I'm going to listen with this. Lord, is this my bull? Nope. 
Come on, this is silly, but listen to me. It's down in the grassroots of your life. I'm not talking about a high lofty spiritual thing. I'm talking about the nuts and bolts of your life. I had to look at my friend and say, hey, bro, that's a good looking bull. And that's an excellent price. But the Lord told me no. So I'm going to pass. Okay, bro, no problem. Went back a couple months later, that big boy grew some. I was like, Lord, you sure? <laughs> like, like, did I hear right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm not afraid to tell somebody no if Jesus tells me no. I can't go to the club with you. Why? We always go to the club. Because Jesus don't want me in the club right now. What's that mean? I don't know, but Jesus, I asked Jesus if I should go to the club. He said no. Oh, help me. So watch what Jesus is telling them. You must give up your own way. You got to give it up. He's not going to take it from you. Ah, you didn't catch that one. You got to give it up. You got Surrender is your friend. Surrender is your friend. Well, I did surrender. It's not a one-time deal. I surrender 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day. Because I always want to take back control. You must give up your way. Take up your cross. What if I don't want a cross? Take it anyway. You'll figure it out later. Follow Jesus. Trying to hang on, you're going to lose. But giving up, you save. And if you're ashamed, he's ashamed. You cannot theorize your way around that. That's as plain English as you can possibly get. If you don't have the courage to tell your friends and your family about Jesus, my friend, you are ashamed. Well, I didn't feel the moment. I didn't feel this and I didn't feel. I don't care about what you feel. Jesus ain't saying nothing about how you feel. In fact, that's why he said to, down, to, to put yourself on the cross so you wouldn't feel nothing. Fearful silence is not good for any believer at all. Let me, let, me just, let me just bust a bubble real quick. We should be more focused on being famous in heaven than on getting attention on earth. I'd rather get some recognition in heaven than for people to blow me up on earth and I get to heaven, which is eternity, and nobody knows me. Like, I want to, I'm just being honest. This may sound a little bit selfish, but like, I'm glad to get to heaven, but I'm not one of these poor Christians that, oh, I made it to heaven. No, my name's in the book, bro. I'm stacking up treasures right now. Like, I'm planning for my future. Come on, somebody. I'm sending them ahead, sneaking a blessing on all kinds of people. I'm stacking them treasures because I want to roll up into heaven and everybody know my name. Come on, I want to be like cheers. Everybody knows your name. Come on, somebody. I don't care what you say about me here. 
If you don't like me, that's okay. I don't like me either sometimes, so it's okay. The devil don't like me, but Jesus loves me. This I know the Bible told me so. (laughs) Watch this. My silence is selfishness. Oh, it's a crying shame to be born again and somebody prayed you in. Somebody went to warfare for your soul and you got saved. God called your name and you got saved. And then you sit on your blessed assurance the rest of the time. That's selfish. It's selfish. My fearful silence is selfish. So that's the personal byproduct. There's a lot more to it. I could have done a message just on that. Let's look at the public byproduct. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Paul says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, who has believed our message? Verse 17, so faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Your loved ones, let me me start here. Your household is not going to get to heaven on accident. They don't get to dip in your back pocket and slip through the gates. Did you heard me? Your kinfolks are not going to get there on accident. And you may have Catholic roots. Listen to me. You can't rely on people to show up in a crisis. How you going to rely on them to pray for you to get to heaven after you die? Get you some of them apples. I'm not leaving my salvation in any of y'all's hands. Y'all tripping. I love you and I trust you, but I don't trust you that much. I'm going to take care of that with Jesus. It's going to be me and Jesus. I'm going to make sure he writes my name in the book because you might forget. Come on. (laughs) How can anyone get saved unless they believe? The only way to salvation is to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and then to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. That's the only way to get saved. That's the only way to be born again. There's no other way. You can never be good enough. Listen to me. If you don't want to be born again, you just soon go have all the fun you can with the devil. I'm telling you right now, because if you sit up in a church trying to act like a Christian and you ain't saved, you're miserable. In fact, that's what Jesus said in Revelation that makes his tummy upset. I'm going to spit you out of... Some of you are like, stop that, Pastor. <laughs> How can they be saved unless they believe? How can they believe if they've never heard? 
They can't hear unless someone tells them. Listen to me, not everybody goes to Walmart and buys them a Bible and reads it just because they want to. The lost people aren't looking for Jesus. At least most of them ain't. But they're hungry for something they can't identify what it is. They're striving for things to fill a void in their heart that they'll never fill. Only Jesus can fill that. How they're ever going to know if nobody tells them. Then Jesus says this. How can someone know or tell if they've not been sent? And sometimes Christians take that and say, well, I'm just waiting on God to send me. And maybe that's why you don't read your Bible, because God's going to tell you to send. He's going to tell you to go. So I'm not going to read my Bible, so I don't have to hear God tell me to go. That way, when I, when I stand before him, one day I can say, well, I didn't hear you. We're not much different than our kids. I'm telling you right now, we're just older on the paper. And in the face and the wrinkles and, you know, all those other things. But can I just tell you today that God's already sent you? You're not waiting for another message from God to go tell somebody about Jesus. You're already sent. You know when you send an email and you click send? I had some issues years ago where I thought I sent an email. It was an important one, and it, and it didn't send, and I didn't go back and check it. So I got this, this little habit now where I send it, and then I go all the way back to the home screen in my emails, and I go, sent messages. Okay, all right, it's sent. I'm already sent. Every single one of us is called to preach the good news. Amen, Pastor. You can't be sent more than you're sent already. <laughs> I'm going to just let it sink in for a second. Just So if you're waiting to be sent, <laughs> you're waiting for nothing. We're all called to preach the good news. Watch this. To the people around us. You ever wonder why you have the friends that you have? You ever wonder why you're around the people that you're around, even the ones that annoy you? You ever wonder, like, why I got to work with these people? I'm trying to get a different job. I can't get a different job. Like, everywhere I go, I'm talented. I can't get another job. Like, what's the deal? Why I get stuck with these people? Hello? <laughs> you're there to witness. You're there to preach. And you're probably not going to move on. Until you get done what God wants to get done. Oh, it's a public issue. There's a byproduct in the public realm. It affects all of us. This is where fearful silence affects all of us. If the church isn't, isn't courageously speaking, then the world is falling apart and becoming darker and darker. Hello, that's happening right now. By the minute, 
I keep waiting for something to turn around and a, a brightness to come and, and something just to get some good news off of the TV. And it's like, nothing's getting better. Ah! Write this down. The more candles you light, the brighter the room gets. Watch this. There's roughly 10,000 people in Eunice. Let's just theoretically say there's 2,000 that are actually born again. If those 2,000 people tomorrow morning would go and open their mouth, let's just say 1,000 would get born again in the marketplace, the neighborhood, the gym, wherever you would want to be. Okay? So 2,000 went out Monday, tomorrow, and they preached the gospel to the people they loved the most, and let's say only half of them responded, Eunice just went from 20% born again to 30% born again. Then let's pretend the next Monday, those 3,000 went out and preached to their friends, and 1,500 got saved. Uh, somebody's going to help me with the math, because it's going to get a little too far for me. But, but let's say 1,500 got saved, then that come, they come back. That's 4,500. Now Eunice is 45% born again. So tell me what your silence is doing today. Absolutely nothing. The world is getting darker around you. Then there's the kingdom byproduct. Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. Let me wet my whistle. <clears throat> In Luke 16, 16, Jesus talks about the kingdom. And watch what he says. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of heaven is preached and everyone is eager to get in. Well, that don't make sense compared to what I just finished saying. Does it not? Answer me. Yeah, pastor, you were wrong. No, I was not wrong. I'm going somewheres. Jesus said these words, and everyone is eager to get in. But pastor, there's only about 100 adults here today. He didn't say they were eager to go to church. He said they were eager to get into the kingdom. Oh, hmm. So people are eager to get in. Now, it's true that not everyone that we preach to is going to be born again. But that's not an excuse to not preach to those who will be born again. That's like going fishing only if you know you're going to catch. Hello. Well, I went fishing that day. I didn't catch. So I ain't fishing no more. Can I have your boat? Because <laughs> they might not have bit today, but bro, I'm telling you, they're going to be biting in the morning. Cause, <laughs> and I'll go catch them in the same hole you was fishing in. And then call you up and te text you some pictures and talk some trash. <laughs> Matthew verse 11, chapter 11, Jesus says it again. And from the time of John the Baptist, from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Now watch this. This is tricky because some translations say 
that the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence. And I used to read that like, like the demonic people in the world are coming against the kingdom. That is not what Jesus meant at all. I was wrong all these years. What Jesus was saying when he said violent people, he was saying that there are people that are so hungry and so eager to be in the kingdom that they're coming so hard, it seems violent. I told the people last night at the conference, I said there was 40 men born again night, last night. That's advancement of the kingdom. Those men were hungry for the kingdom. They came running to the altars. They were hungry. At ABC camp alone this summer, over 200 students gave their lives to Jesus. That's advancement. That's advancement. They came running to the altars to give their life to Jesus. They were hungry. They were violent within, within themselves. Like they violently threw off everything that was holding them back and they came after the kingdom. There's revival breaking out all over the globe right now. I'm going to bust your bubble. There's revival breaking out in this little building right now. I can pick out all kind of things that ain't right and that are crooked and don't work well and all this other stuff. But listen to me. God is moving. The kingdom is advancing. But we ain't done yet. So if forceful advancement and violent attacks are part of the plan, then shouldn't we get to the forceful advancement part of this whole thing? <laughs> Man, listen to me. Heaven's going to be a whole lot better than this. Can we just preach our way home? Can we, just, can we just reach everybody in Eunice and the surrounding areas? Can we just go preach the gospel and get this thing done? Come on. So those are the byproducts of the personal, public, and kingdom fearful silence. When we're silent... Nothing happens. But somebody's preaching somewheres. And listen, these big events are great. It's great to say 40 people got saved. But can I tell you, if the 100 adults here today would go tomorrow and preach to everyone you love, that 50 would get saved tomorrow? And nobody had to spend thousands of dollars to do it? And create a whole event and plan it and strategize it and call people and make things happen and do this big old thing. And, and like if you just, you personally just went and preached to somebody, like they would get born again and this thing would happen. What's the devil telling you right now? What's he telling you? Are you distracted? Are you discouraged? Are you disqualified? Is that what he's telling you? 
So you got some sin in your life. Okay. Jesus knows how to deal with sin. He's pretty good at it. How about you take your sin to Jesus, let him apply his blood to your body, cleanse you, forgive you, wash away your sin again, and in the next second, turn around and preach the gospel. Because in that one moment, you went from being disqualified to requalified to go and preach the gospel again. What you said? There's no rear view mirrors on the way to heaven? You know what happens when you look at the rear view mirror too long? You run into people. <laughs> you get into accidents. Things go wrong. What's the devil telling you? I promise you he's whispering to you right now. I'm no dummy. Let me, let's do this real quick. Grab a connect card or a piece of paper. Write down the lie real quick. Whatever you're hearing, whatever thought you just had when I was saying that point, whatever he's been telling you right now, write it down. Hurry up. Write it down. It's not complicated. Just write it down. What's he telling you? What are you tired of hearing? Write that down too. Write it down. When you finish writing it down, just hold it up. You can fold it so nobody can see it. But just hold it up. I want to know when everybody's done. <clears throat> Come on. I feel like a teacher right now. I'm going to wait on you to turn in your assignment. <laughs> All right. Most of you are done. The rest of you can catch up. Put that on the ground and step on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't just put your, don't be nice to it. Step on the dang thing. It's been frustrating. You frustrate it. It's the perfect time to stomp on it. Ain't nothing but grit down there anyway. Grind that sucker up. Because it's a lie. Amen? Amen? So what needs to change? Second question I want to answer real quick, then I'm going to try to bring this thing to a close. What needs to change? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Paul is asking for prayer. This is right after he finished teaching on the armor of God, and, and it's an incredible part of his letter to the, the, the church. And, and, and he gets into this part, verse 18, where he says, I want you to pray in the Spirit at all times and pray for everyone with all kinds of prayers and, and that kind of thing. And then verse 19, he comes in with this one in verse 20, and then he says this, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Now that puts us in a conundrum. Because he didn't ask you to pray for him to get him out of his chains. 
He asked you to pray for him to preach with his chains. Aha. <laughs> he didn't say, bail me out, Lord. He said, bold me up, Lord. Don't take me out. Make me who I'm supposed to be in this situation. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm looking for a way through. He said, pray that I would say the right words. Pray that I would have boldness. And he says, even boldness in my chains. And pray that I would speak as I should. Now, let me tell you something. If the apostle Paul, who's one of my heroes, is asking the church to pray for him, to say what he should say with the boldness he should say it with, maybe we should start praying the same way? Because you want to know what the real problem is with the church? Is we let the enemy hand us as an excuse and we're hanging on to it. Like this is my get out of preach card. I'm disqualified. I'm disqualified. I'm, dis I'm discouraged. I'm dis I can't preach to nobody. I'm discouraged. I'm distracted, so I'll always be distracted. I'm just, I'm just distracted. So I'm not going to pick up my Bible. I'm going to twiddle my thumbs. I'm distracted. People are dying and going to hell. I hope it's not too hot. I hope they'll be okay. Burn, baby, burn. You know, that's what it's going to feel like. When some of your friends is burning in hell and you're sitting in heaven. I've been distracted. I've been discouraged. I fight in discouragement all the time. I've been disqualified. I've done things I'm ashamed of. I've been there too. I just didn't like being there. And I read enough of my Bible. I heard it say, you can get out of that. I said, well, if I can get out of this place that I don't like to be, distracted, discouraged, and disqualified, then I'm going to get out because this don't feel good. There's something inside of me called the Holy Spirit that just don't like to be in this place. He's getting antsy right now. So I get it. There's a lot of things going on. The problem is most of us get ourselves distracted. Let's just be real about that. But there are distractions that come at us, right? That's honest. And it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't mean that we have to fall for it every time, though. We just need to know that it's easy. There's a lot of things that will discourage you. Right? 
Your own expectations will discourage you. You put timelines on God that he never had for himself. You put expectations on people that they never had for themselves. And when they didn't meet your needs or your expectations, you got discouraged. You lost all courage. That's real. Listen, I lost some good friends in this battle. I've lost some dear friends in this battle. I've been discouraged. You've done some things that disqualify you. Come on, and it's not always porn. It's overeating. You gonna stay there? You gonna gonna pitch a tent there? Make a home there? You don't have to. There's not a mistake you can ever make that Jesus will not forgive. There's not a discouraged soul that he cannot encourage. And there's not a distracted person. He can't get their attention. In 2006, there was a woman named Tanara Burke. And Tanara Burke had been sexually abused and assaulted. And she coined a phrase that's popular today. And the phrase is me too. It's, the, it's known as the Me Too movement. How many of you have heard of the Me Too movement? So that was in 2006. In 2016, the actress Alyssa Morano, Milano, sorry, well, they get no attention from me. <laughs> Alyssa, not, not those that have been sexually abused, actors, sorry. In 2016, she tweeted, if you've been sexually harassed or assaulted, write Me Too in the reply to this tweet. And what she didn't know is that by sending that tweet, she would start a movement called the Me Too movement. And since that time in 2016 until today, there are women who are stepping up with courage and saying, Me Too, I've been assaulted, I've been abused, I've been this. I'm not saying we need to join the Me Too movement. But what if we got ourselves a movement? And today, right now in this church service, I just said within myself and I asked God to help me to be a me too person also. Like me too, I'm going to go preach the gospel. What if we called it the I'll go? I'll go. I'll go. Send me. Whatever you want to call it, I don't care. Put a name on it. Get a sticker made. But go! What if one person tomorrow morning... Preach the gospel to their friends. They got born again, brought them to church next Sunday, and got them plugged into the family. And what if your friend who comes to church with you already said, Ooh, you caught a fish? I'm going to have to go catch me a fish. 
You mean the fish are biting? <laughs> I need to knock the dust off my rod and reel. Let's go. But what if we started a movement? What if our Savior's church in Eunice would just get out of this church and start preaching the gospel to people around us and they got saved and then more people got saved and then more people got saved? What if the crime rate would go down? What if the property values would come up? What if businesses would move into town? What if there would be life in this region? Because somebody just started lighting candles. Wherever they went, I'm going to light a candle. We're going to light this sucker up. Instead of just getting used to it being dark. What if we went from fearful silence to courageous talk? I don't care if you tell somebody about Jesus and your voice is squeaking. The power of the good news will go through your squeaky voice. Can I get to tell you about Jesus? What you said, baby? Can I get to tell you about Jesus? Baby, I can't hear you. You got to speak up a little bit. Can I tell you about Jesus? What you want to tell me about Jesus? He loves you. Even with your sin, he loves you. Just like you're all right now, he loves you. And he gave his life for you. What if? You know, this could be just a regular old great message, just a good message, good message, Pastor. This could be just, uh, Pastor Jamie had a good word. Oh, great message. You remember that message he preached? Which one? Oh, that one about courage. Oh, yeah, that was a good message. What'd you do with that message? I thought it was good. You can take this message, and this, this not personally mine, by the way. It's his. You can take his message and you can turn it into a movement. That's the intentions of it. It's to take the message and turn it into a movement. I wonder how much of your life would change if it became about the lost instead of about your lack. I wonder if that's why Jesus said to seek first my kingdom. Like advance my kingdom first. And while you're advancing my kingdom, I'm going to come around on the backside and take care of all your lack. What if he fixed stuff while you wasn't looking? What if he changed things while you were busy advancing the kingdom? You'll never know he can do it until you get busy advancing the kingdom. prayed for a guy on Friday or Saturday what was it John 
Saturday morning, John got a text message from work. One of the guys that he works with sent a couple of guys a suicide text message. And John came, came to me and said, hey man, can we, can we like pray for this guy? They can't find him. They're looking for him and they can't find him. He sent out this text message to commit suicide and he's, he's gone. Nobody can find him. And, and so I, I asked Brother Terry if I could speak for a second and I, I just challenged everyone and we prayed together for this guy. His name was Sean. And we prayed, man, we prayed our guts out for Sean. In tears, we prayed that God would save him and God would spare his life and that no harm would come to him and we went for it. And then last night, John came up to me and said they found him, but he didn't make it. Pulled up at a truck stop and finished it. We walk by those people every day. We cross them at the grocery stores. We don't know their names. We don't know what they're going through. We get mad at them on the highway. That's me. go to school with them and they're not the only ones there's, there's a whole bunch of them that are never commit suicide but they'll, they'll spend eternity in hell and we're just walking right past them and I, and I know listen I get it I know this message this, I'm, I'm convicted right now too I'm not gonna lie to you like I'm, I'm like oh golly man that's hard bro like whew. That's a heavy, Pastor Jamie. Oh my goodness, that's heavy. But listen, I didn't put that weight on you. What if it's not me? What if it's the Holy Spirit of God laying a burden on your heart to go and preach to the lost so that they would get found? That you would go and serve somebody. That you would help them. That you would live a Christ-like life. That they would have an example to follow. I, I get it. It's heavy, man. I, I, it's heavy. But can I just be honest with you? It's supposed to be heavy. It's eternity. It's the kingdom of God. It's not light. Now, the good news is, is that Jesus says, "My, come with me. He says, my, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? So when we go with Jesus, he lightens up some of this pressure as we go and we walk with him and he gives us opportunity to share the love of God with people. But what if it's supposed to be heavy right now? What if you're supposed to feel it to the point where you just almost got to just like sit down where you're like, of course you're sitting down already, but I'm like, you just, you just kind of got to go, man, this is heavy. What needs to change? What needs to change in me? That my heart would break for what God's heart breaks for. That I would weep for what he weeps for. That I would love what he loves. And what if it's not as complicated as we make it? Who told you it was complicated? Like God said in the garden, who lied to you?
Lord, help us today. Lord, I need to ask you to forgive me right now because I'm feeling the weight of conviction. I'm preaching a message that I'm getting convicted by, Lord, and it's, it's, it's not my own doing, Holy Spirit. It's you convicting me right now. But I've been silent. I've been more silent than you want me to be, Lord. I need to make that confession, God, because that, that, that's something inside of me that needs to change. And, and I can even find myself hiding behind the excuse, well, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to equip the saints to do that. They need to go do that, but I'm a Christian too. I'm a follower too. So Lord, would you forgive me you forgive me, Lord, for walking past people who are spiritually dead and not offering them life? Would you forgive me for not serving people when I know that you've told me to serve them? Would you forgive me for the times that I've not lived a Christ-like life and I've run people away from me? And God, today I ask you to start in me. Start in me, oh God. I'll go first. I'll go first. Set me on fire, Lord. That I would start a brush fire across this region. That your kingdom would begin to consume this region. Start in me, Lord. Like Paul, Lord, I pray that you'd give me the right words to say because I worry about saying the right words. I ask you to give me the boldness to stand into the moment and say what needs to be said with the right attitude and the right compassion. And God, would you give me the boldness to, to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done even when I'm, you know, when I'm wearing chains, even when I'm bound by something, even when I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, I got my own junk, Lord. Would you give me the boldness to, to, to preach when I, I have chains on? Would you give me the courage to step into the moments I need to step into? God, would you do the same for all of us today? Light a fire here, Lord. At 1050 West Laurel Avenue, light a fire right here, Lord. Oh God, come and light a fire here, Lord. Light a fire here, Lord. Start it here, Lord. Light a fire, Lord, right here. It just takes a few, Lord. A fire that'll consume what's left of me. A fire that'll make me let go of my life so that I might actually gain life with you, Lord.